it, you know, I love to see the ingenuity and that's coming with the industry. Yeah. The, the flow, not just the prices went parabolic, but it seems like the cerebral ingenuity that's, that's coming in to the industry. It, it's very uplifting and inspiring. I like it. The entrepreneurship that you're able to just witness unfold in front of you in this industry, it's beautiful. And I hope nothing but success for, for all these people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we are, it is like almost like a golden age of the hobby right now where we're just seeing all these things transpire. Not, and it's not just, it's not even just like, like entrepreneurs starting new companies like Eric is with Loop. It's also the side, the hustle. You know, it's funny, which is in, in your Instagram handle. The, 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 how, the, how, I don't even know how, how do you say it? It's Howley. The Howley hustle. That's it. Yeah. Howley hustle, right? I mean, there's, you know, and I know it's just your, your Instagram handle, but there's so many people out there hustling in the hobby, which I'm going to jump, you know, I'm going to jump right into it. And then I want to come back to some more talk about loop, but I, for my first introduction to you, Eric, was I was watching Sasha T's video on the first Dallas show and he was there and he goes up to this booth and he's talking to this guy and he's very, uh, he, he's like, he's listening intently to this guy behind the table about what he's telling him. Sasha is like, he's honing in. He's trying to learn and absorb this experience and this information. This guy was you. Of course, I'm talking about you, <laughs> right? And then, and then the camera goes down and it pans down to the showcases you have. And I mean, you've got an amazing collection of cards, which we can talk about later, but you know, that was my first introduction to you, Eric. And then I joined Clubhouse, which is, you know, kind of all the rage right now. And you and I ended up in rooms night after night. And we somewhat, you know, you hear each other talk, you get to know each other, then you start talking to each other in the app. And we ended up forming a relationship literally through Clubhouse, right? I mean, and then we yeah. started then we start chatting on Instagram a little bit and I asked you for advice on a card and you introduced me to some other people. And so, you know, it's just like you, I met, I was introduced to you because of the hustle that's going on out there. And Sasha is kind of the poster boy for yeah. that. For the, for, and I've never met him or spoken to him even, but I recognize that he's the poster boy for the hustle right now, the hustle yeah. that's going on that a lot of people are doing and making some side money and some good side money or, or just building up their, their equity. But before we, you know, I wanted to just put that out there. So the viewer knows guys, this is Eric Myers. He's our guest on after hours tonight. Welcome Eric to sports cards live after hours. I, I, it's funny because I talk to you like every night now. So <laughs> this, is just, this is just kind of going with the flow. But um, what I like to do on after hours is the first thing I do like to do is Talk a bit about the episode before. We had Eric Doty, the CEO of Loop on, and I did ask you to watch a little bit of the episode and come away. With, so, I mean, you mentioned that you you respect the hustle. Was there anything else you took away or any questions that you had about uh, what he's doing or the show itself? No, I like the interaction that he's allowing between buyer and seller. And he's, to a certain degree, acting as a mediator, but really not trying to get too involved. It's a hands-on, but not really such a hands-on approach. And I love that. And I love the fact that He's, he's bringing together a different form. Just There's nothing wrong with eBay. I love eBay. Um, I love the buyer and seller interaction. There's a multitude of different platforms that you can use to, uh, whether it be Com C or just 
a litany of different avenues to be able to buy and sell. And I like the avenue he's pursuing, you know, to where it's just about bringing together another opportunity for people to be able to exchange, you know, money for passion in, that, in essence. That's kind of what card collecting is. Yeah. And I think that there's going to be, I love the aspect that he's willing to acknowledge there's bumps and bruises, but to just, you know, endeavor through them just for the grand goal and perspective. You know, I like that you had asked him, is it, is he looking to get bought out? Maybe go public down downstream? Like what's his end game? And now no matter what happens at the end, he's still really in it for the long haul. I think he, when I gathered from Eric is he was really looking forward as something that he can spend the next 20 years doing. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's a, you know, I love it when you, when you see people, you've heard that adage before, you know, find something that you love doing and do it the rest of your life. And you've really never worked a day in your life. In the process. Yeah. And I love when you're able to witness that manifest itself right in front of you. Cause I'm mean, a couple years ago, it really didn't exist. And here he is manifesting this platform. That's the beautiful aspect of capitalism, allowing capitalism to flourish, but also trying to keep it under, you know, an honest approach of capitalism, which is a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah, it's really cool to see him. I mean, he's passionate about it and he comes from a background that like at the beginning of the episode, I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, he comes from the, the gaming background where every button that you press has to, it should produce fun for you. And that's what he put into building the app is everything that you can do within the app. He wants it to be fun. I just thought that was really cool, you know, and I think there's a good opportunity there for him to, uh, you know, bring import a bunch of um, break, breakers and singles sellers onto the platform and sell on on loop. I mean, it, he he wants it to be on everybody's phone. I think that's a definite possibility, you know. And why not, right? If it, if it's got the user experience, it's gonna that's gonna be fun for people and and engaging and and you're getting value. That's that's a great uh, proposition. Yeah, I like the fact that you allow breakers to interact with people and not just certain breakers that once they grow and expand, you have breakers from vintage is kind of the niche and, and modern as well. So yeah. everybody can find their craft or, or find where their niche is and where they're comfortable and then expand upon that. But it's a platform that allows them all together instead of having to to constantly monitor all those Facebook groups, because traditionally that's kind of where we do the things. Now there's some Instagram breaker groups, but then you have to wait for that little streamer on your phone to pop up. Oh, they're going live. Okay. Oh, they're going live. And you don't really know when, and Facebook's the same way in your notifications. You might have, it might be 50 notifications down and it's just a, it's a lot of hunting and fishing for the product. Whereas there's a, a, to have a platform, it's just, again, he saw a void, thought about it said, let's fill this void with good content and allow people to connect with the passions that they love. Yeah. You really can't ask anything better than that for life. No, I, I wish them great success. One of my favorite things I got out of it was that they are looking to their, their sellers, the sellers on their platforms, they consider them business partners. And I don't know that some of the other selling platforms that are available in the hobby really go that to that length. Um, and they're they're going to be doing like regular events with the sellers to you know share best practices and how you know make sure we're kind of working together and not maybe going, you know, going out against each other on the same night, that kind of thing, doing some coordination. I think it's a, I, I think he's got a good thing going. I wish him all the best and um, we'll see how, how, how it is, right. We'll see if, if we have, you know, I hope he can uh, 
I hope that they can release it in Canada pretty soon so I can add it to my phone. And um, and I hope that everybody in the U.S. and elsewhere that, that watched the, the show tonight, you know, give them a chance and, and check it out. So I, I do want to mention one thing. I do like the fact that the extensive vetting process. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I think that if you can bring a platform into the industry that the people feel comfortable, the buyers and sellers feel comfortable that that the, the sellers, that the breakers have been vetted and they have been verified to a degree that adds uh, emotional and psychological stability from the buyer. And that's great. And to not to get to that point a year or two down the road, but in the beginning stages to have that as a focal point, that's paramount in success. That, that's paramount to any successful business. I agree. I agree, man. So listen, I think some people might want to know where are you right now? Because it's super bright out. I mean, it's it's 10 p.m. where I am right now, 10 after 10. It's super bright. I see some palm trees uh, over, over your shoulder. <laughs> where are you, man? Let, let The people want to know. Yeah. So uh, I live on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. I've been here for four and a half years. I'm very grateful. Uh, moved out here. Um, I want to say it was July 15th. So you're looking about four and a half years ago, and I've got about a month and a half left before I move away from here again. You know, but it's been a, it's been a beautiful experience. The land is gorgeous. The beaches are <laughs> yeah, they're nice. The hiking trails are nice. It, it's it is it is definitely a land of paradise. Absolutely. I love got, it. It's inspiring. It's it's been a beautiful walk and journey in life. I literally live less than probably less than a hundred yards from the water. A good throw, you could actually hit a baseball in the water from my backyard. Very cool, man. And so tell us a little bit, what's the hobby like in Hawaii, in Oahu? Yeah, it's passionate. So there is, we do have a Facebook group that's exclusive for Hawaiian residents and all the islands, but it's really good. It's not bad. At first, I was new and it was a little bit difficult getting into the group, you know, into the people, because here I am just this mainlander who has all these high-end cards kind of a little bit of a feeling out process, but I love it. It's awesome. The card shops here are great. Sometimes you can get really good deals on wax, you know, because if you don't have people coming, you don't have a million or 2 million people coming all over trying to get it. So you can really get the wax sometimes at a good place. The hobby shops here, there's one called best of the best that I traditionally um, go to. It's when I, I enter in the most and the owner's nice, humble guy, just really, he's been around a long time, probably 20 or 30 years or longer. Just um, real passive. Just when he speaks, you could you could tell that there's knowledge behind it. it. Makes you kind of just want to shut up and listen to what he has to say, um, and that's nice. And he's just the everybody that walks in there. They're just there to have a good time and enjoy it. You don't really see, especially from the card shops, in my experience, the people there when they go to the card shops, they're really there to embrace and love the hobby and industry. I'm sure there's the hustlers, the grinders, the flippers, and stuff. But that's not a lot of what you're seeing at the card shop, the one that I visit, right? And it's kind of beautiful. It really is. Uh, I, I really like it and enjoy it. I'm going to miss it. <laughs> miss it a bit, yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet, man. Right on. Okay. So, listen, I do want to get into your history and the hobby, what you collect and all that. And then we're going to get into some, you know, a little bit more uh, thoughtful sort of discussion. But uh, let's just see who we have joining us tonight. I'm sure a bunch of people you know, Chris Carter. Missed the first show. Congratulations on the sports cars live anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, Eric. Last yesterday was the one year anniversary of the first episode of, of my show. So oh. just kind of snuck up on on me, and all of a sudden here it is. So um, thank you, Chris Carter. 
Brandon Metalberg says, what a treat. I've seen Eric on other appearances, and he is a fountain of knowledge. Thank That's you, very you, nice, man. Brandon. We have Chris McGill from House of Jordans. Chris <laughs> underscore Hodge, as, as people call him on Clubhouse nowadays. Jealous it's still bright out where Eric is. Yeah, I asked Eric the other day. I said, so you're, you're in Hawaii. So what are you, an hour before Pacific? He's like, no, three hours. Like, I didn't really realize that. <laughs> okay. So that's why he's on that's why he's on Clubhouse until 2 a.m. my time, which is like an early 10 o'clock for you. So, yeah. Yeah. It's much easier for him. He's in, a good, <laughs> he's in a good spot geographically. Lucky K, good evening. Toa Toa Hang is joining us. He says Eric's story is a true inspiration. God is good. Very nice. YYC vintage cards. Congratulations on the anniversary from a fellow Calgarian. Love the show every Saturday. Thank you, YYC. Chad Shipper in the house. Big unit. We had another great guest. Love listening to Eric's knowledge of the hobby. Oh, so you're ripping flips, says Eric. Are you from Hawaii? That's where he is. If so, Mahola, Mahalo. Sorry. We got Irving in the house from Minera Sports Cards. Ola Irving. Great to see you, buddy. Hockey guy, super high end. Hey, eh? what does Eric collect? We will get to it. We will get to it. Lucky K, I've owned multiple businesses. But every time you start a business, you also need to prepare an exit strategy. I, I, I'm a believer in that. I had a mentor once tell me when you, as soon as, as soon as you enter a deal, you got to figure out how you're going to unwind that deal. Now, maybe you don't look to sell a business right away, but you're, it's in the back of your mind. Good evening, Terry Fortune. Terry joined uh, Clubhouse this morning. Toa Hang says, Eric is a Jedi master <laughs> in the hobby. You're a well-known guy, Eric. You're well-known. I love, I love the people. Man. I, love, I just love the industry. With passion, man. Like I, just everybody. It doesn't matter if they're collecting twenty dollars cards or two hundred thousand dollars cards. The industry, right? The community is awesome. We got Charles from Card Connects. Good evening, Charles. Jordan Hudson says, "Dude, Eric has the most beautiful, badass, amazing cards. The kind that ninety percent of us will never hold or see. Kobe autos, MJ autos, pieces of art." Goes on to say, "He didn't start out that way, though." So we're gonna hear no. about this. We're gonna hear the story. Darren is back with us. So great that your show is at this time slot. Kids in bed, let's talk cards. We are going to. Toa is says uh, hockey, mainly sports. Check out Sasha T YouTube for some awesome content with with uh, Eric. Jeremy needs VPN. I don't know what that is. What's VPN? Sounds, I'm not sure what that is. Courtside Collectible says, hey, yes. Eric, we got Colin Murray in the house. Good evening, Colin. Card Collector 1982. Hey, glad to have you live, Card Collector. Glad to have you live. Anonymous Facebook user. Hey, I saw Eric's Insane Collection on Sasha T's YouTube episode. Jaw-dropping stuff. Happy anniversary, Jeremy. Ah, oh, it's Eli. Thanks for the awesome streams. Thank you, Eli. Great to see you, my man. Darren says, how do you huge collectors transport to and from shows? Massive cards. Do you hire Virgil, Ted DiBiase's <laughs> bodyguard or something? We got Royals 417 in the house. Card Shop Dad just watching Two Goats. Good evening, Card oh. Shop Dad. Bobby Burrell says, howdy, and reminds everyone to hit that like button. Yeah, please hit the like button. Subscribe to Sports Cards Live if you haven't yet on YouTube. I greatly appreciate it. Victor from All Time Greats Blog. I've got to go check out that first episode of Sports Cards Live. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I I'm not going to watch it. I'll be too embarrassed to watch <laughs> the first one, right? I mean, you never know. Sanderson to Aura's back. Card Collector is excited to hear what Eric has to say. Lee Haskins, welcome to the show, Lee. Great to see you. Mike Zier, thank you so much. And Colin Murray says, Sasha T rocks big follower. All right, Eric, so let's let's hear a bit about your history. Like, tell us a bit about who you are. And, you know, you have a, you have a big card collection now. 
But as we just heard in the comments, it always hasn't been that way. You have an inspiring story. Please tell it. Yeah, so I, I grew up not quasi inner city of Dallas. I'm from Dallas County, not Dallas proper. It's a smaller city on the outskirts of Dallas. I didn't grow up with money. My parents didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I love my parents. They did their absolute best. My dad's a construction worker. Uh, my mom works for hospice. So anybody who knows, who, you've ever had family that works for hospice, they make you know, 15, 16 bucks an hour. Uh, and my family loves me. I grew up, I don't want to get too much in depth and issues, but there were issues in my family that um, it, it made it very difficult. And, and growing up, probably about the age of eight or nine years old, I found, well, I'd always been passionate in cards. I'd get up and I'd memorize sports statistics because we didn't have the internet back then. So that old, right? That old, you know? So I would get up and memorize all these statistics of players and I just we could have taken escape of all the things that were going on around me. Uh, I, again, I love, I absolutely love my mother. She's my hero. My mother fought, fought alcoholism for the first 21 years of my life. So, and, and so that, caused some issues and we had family members living with us who had addiction problems as well. God bless them. I love them all. You know, life isn't perfect. But as I grew up in my early, probably 10, 11, 12 years old, I got into, I started embarking upon a life of crime. I know at 10 years old, you're thinking, oh my God, like, what are you doing at that old? Things I definitely shouldn't have been doing, stuff from breaking and entering houses, just starting to master that lifestyle. And it was very unfortunate that I got drugged into that by friends and family members as well. To the point by the time I was 15 and 16 years old, I had started, uh, you know, manufacturing methamphetamines, drugs, smuggling, and just a life of horrible life of crime that led to about 17 arrests and five felonies to where I wind up in jail for a while, right? Ended up homeless, living under, under a bridge, sleeping on park benches. I mean, out there, you know, out of dumpsters, begging for money, uh, just falling asleep in the rain, you know, if you couldn't find a bridge or something, you know. I, and I tell the story a lot. I remember the highlight of my day for those times. You find ashtrays, so there's half-smoked cigarettes. And, and I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but at the time I did. And that was like the best moment of my life. That I really got excited. I can feel that when I talk about it. Like I remember found, finding those half-smoked cigarettes, and that was a great thing. And then, fortunately, by the grace of God, yeah, I mean, really, it got to a point to where he, he just one thing led to another, and I was able to do day labor get paid by the day doing electrical work. But I, after 13 years of drug addiction, like daily hor horrific drug addiction, I was sober just for a couple of days and I found somebody who would hire me, you know, on a week to week basis who had a year of sobriety. And after following him around six, eight months, I was grateful enough to join the United States Army as an infantry and a cap scout in the military to serve the country, which was an honor and blessing in my life. And it was probably, again, one of the best things that have happened to me. To where to have that military background now kind of helped smooth over this criminal background and allowed me some stability and structure and guidance to re-manifest myself as a productive human in society. So I get out of the military a couple years later. Now I've been sober for years, but I had this grind and I had this feeling in my life that I was now a decade and a half behind everybody else. So I just had this, this insatiable quest and thirst to just... I mean, just to never go back there to that, you know, to never end up like that again. And I, 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 I just learned whatever I could, whether it be cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, just alternate, alternate, you know, forms of, of revenue. Uh, I worked 40, 50, 60 hours a week, day shift, night shift. It, it didn't matter. And then 
I had that $15,000 military bills, 20,000 after taxes, 15,000. And I, at the time I've been sober a few years, but I'm still what nervous. Year is, what year is this? Um, I, I, you know, you're talking 12, 13 years ago, you know, so uh, 2008, something like okay. that. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even a licensed electrician at this time, right? I, I'm, uh, I'm an apprentice electrician renting a room for my aunt for 300 bucks a month and driving a $900 car. I'm very grateful that car, that car worked for me for years. I love that thing. And I was just dumb enough. I had, here I have 15 grand renting a room for my aunt, but I just dumped it all on eBay. I just started, I didn't know I was chasing a passion, but I knew cards, I knew being an apprentice electrician wasn't probably going to get me where I wanted to go. Even if I got a journeyman's license, I had a lot of ground to cover up because now I'm in late 20s, almost 30. And I just, I lost four grand. I went from 15 to 11,000. Um, thankfully, I met a gentleman by the name of Brian Hank uh, on, on eBay and throughout the process. And he kind of mentored me and guided me and led me to uh, kind of taught me. He recognized my fire and passion and I was willing to shut up and listen. And he noticed that I wasn't going to disrespect people. I wasn't out to you know, to make massive flips and, and rip people off. or uh, and he, he noticed that there was a, an honest fire in my heart. And he really helped and mentored me to become the person I am. Uh, yeah, without without a question, uh, he helped me in, an insane amount. And I was thankful enough to where I could recoup that first four grand. And then year after year, listening to him a little bit more and more, kind of venturing off doing my own thing and, and, and making some good money doing it. Uh, next thing I know, Four or five years later, I'm at, at one time I had like 26 BGS, nine five Jordan rookies, just a ton of stuff, man. And then it just started spiraling into one success after the other. And then I get my journeyman's license and I wind up becoming a weapons engineer. They move up to director of operations for a multi million dollar weapons company. You know, now I'm licensed in multiple states as a journeyman electrician, so I can go back to that. I've been director of operations for a multi million dollar weapons company, and uh, now I currently and blessing, very grateful for the opportunity to work with uh, PWCC, the auction house, great blessing. So, but yeah, uh, that's kind of what, how, and there's a lot in between those sentences. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> must be, there must be, because yeah. we went, we went pretty quick from 15 grand to 11 grand, back to 15 grand to 26 BGS 9.5 Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A little bit there. It's missing. there there's some stuff in between. Well, so I'll, I'll touch on that. So. Because Ryan Hank vouched for me, and he was a very good guy, we now have these bulk submitters, right? I kind of did that, but for GCR, Graded Card Review at Beckett, and I also did reviews and bumps for PSA. I didn't really handle a lot of raw cards, but I would always, since I lived in Dallas and I was 30 minutes away from Beckett, I would just drive in there, and these whales would send me, or back then a whale, somebody if you had a you know, four or $5,000 card, if you had a ten, twenty thousand dollars card, you were up there, you know. 12, 14 years ago, you were, you, that's big money. But because one would vouch for me and then they'd send me cards to walk in and try to get sub bumps or, you know, see if this, Eric, you know, we'll do this or get this autograph reviewed. And I'm, I'm, I'm being sent graded cards. I'm reviewing graded cards and sending them back. So there's no risk of damage, which worked out great for me. And next thing you know, I had five, 10, 20, 30 customers who are all sending me a lot of these upper end cards, which after I formulated this report, this rapport, and exuded honesty, character, you know, I'd ship them their stuff. And then we had these formulations of relationships were happening of people that are above me that it kind of gravitated me up in the industry, you know, and it, but I didn't realize at the time that it all, 
it depended and predicated on character, integrity, honesty, being forthright, try not to hose people, try not to, lack of better terms, you know, mistreat them. Uh, and I didn't realize how integral that was to, to me. But I just felt like I had to hold on to that because in my mind, I could remember remember who I was just five or 10 years before. So I was just really trying to project this really good person that could be trusted. And then because I'm helping them out, they would then give me good deals. Next thing I can know, I could buy this. And I kind of stuck to a certain core thing, about 20, 30 players. And then I would just flip. Back in the day, if you could make two, $300, if you could make $1,500 on, on a card that you might pay five, six, seven thousand for you make eight hundred or fifteen hundred. That's huge money because I mean 10, 12, 15 years ago, if you can make 25% profit, I mean that that was good time right there. That was good times. I'm sure I'm sure you know that Jeremy. It hasn't always been like it has been the past two years. No. And I would just stack Jordan rookies. I'd stack Jordan rookies. Ryan was big into Jordan rookies, so I kind of listened to what he was doing. Um, I wish I had gotten to LeBron a little earlier. You know, <laughs> he was big in LeBron. And, uh, you know, and I, I liked, um, I had a lot of autograph rookies. I flipped some 52 mantles, um, with some choir, some memorabilia. I didn't realize that the man upstairs had, you know, the things that he was putting in my hands. I find myself, I used to want things, even though as I accrue more and more cards and better cards, I kept finding myself wanting more. I didn't realize that I'd, I'd just been patient. The things that were on my table right then were really all I was ever going to want monetarily. But even though the man upstairs keeps giving, you know, I've had a fun ride. Fun ride. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it, man. Sounds like it. All right. Let's, let's, thanks for sharing, man. First of all, thank you for yeah. sharing your story. I mean, it, it, it is quite the story. Uh, you know, you've obviously overcome some adversity and um, you're, I mean, I think we'll, we'll learn more about some of, I mean, it's weird to say, I don't want to say that you seem to be to me a success story because of the cards you own. I don't think that's that's what makes you a success story. What makes you a success story to me is how far you've come from where you were, you know, just in your own mind, your honesty, um, you know, being able to get away from a life of crime, uh, being able to kick addiction, all these things, or at least I don't know if you ever kick addiction, but you know what I mean? Being able to control it. So that's awesome, man. I thank you for sharing the story. And I, I can see in the comments, a lot of people are inspired. So let's have a look at some of the comments right now. Uh, Triple V says, respect the hustle. It's all about the love for the hobby. It just has a sneaky way of rewarding you. I, I And as, as Darren says, love that comment. I do too. I love the second half. It just has a just has a sneaky way of rewarding you. I love that as well. The sports card seller says hello to us. Hello, sports card seller. Gizmo says, geez, Geez, bro, you have definitely taken the hard road to become successful. Good, <laughs> good for you, right? Frank Criswell, incredible story. Darren says, uh, wow, what a story. Good for you, Eric. Good grinding. Triple V says, you're a legend. Uh, Lucky K says, sub bumps, please elaborate. Do you want to just uh, quickly, what you mean by sub bumps? Absolutely great question. Okay, so now Beckett, they don't do it like the way they, they quit a couple months ago, and hopefully they'll retract that and come back to it. It was called GCR, Graded Card Review. So let's say that you had a card that was a BGS 9.5 or a 9 even, and you only needed the, the surface or the edges or the corners or something to bump to take it from a 9 to a 9.5, right? Well, what you could do is you could take it in to Beckett or mail it or whatever, but since I live there, I would just walk it in. You could take it in and request that you submit it for a GCR. 
back in the day, well, back in the day, a couple months ago, it was $30. Yeah. I mean, like back, you know, back in January, um, it was $30 review fee uh, for them to review it and see if maybe that subgrade, the sub bump, the subgrade centering corner surface edges, one of those might've been not graded too harsh, but maybe it really wasn't graded 100% accurate or however you want to articulate that, that it, the card really was maybe undergraded and it did deem the card did deem a higher grade. Now, mind you, through this process, you don't crack it. You have it in a graded holder and you, you take it to an integrated holder. And if they bump that up, it could go from a nine to nine five or from a mini gym nine five to true gym. I've actually had one card that's a true gym plus 10 centering three nine fives, but it was beautiful. It was the, it was an old label Beckett holder. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I submitted it. And it's the only time in my life they bumped two subgrades. They bumped corners and surface. And it went from a True Gym Plus. And it was a LeBron Auto Rookie, right? Like it was already a True Gym Plus. And it went from a True Gym Plus to BGS 10 with a 10 Auto. That was amazing. That was a blessing, huge blessing. So that's what a sub bump is. So how it work is you pay the $30 review fee. If something bumped, then you would pay whatever service level. So if it's a two-day, you might have paid 120 plus the 30, but who cares at that point? Yeah. Nowadays, they just do, you pay the service level, whether it bumps or not. Hopefully, if they get caught up, they'll kind of go back. Um, I love that process. That that worked out really well for me until yeah. I changed it. It's, been, yeah, it's a career builder. I mean, it really can. You can build a career doing that. Wow. Crazy, man. Okay. Uh, Victor says, a powerful testimony. Rip and Flip says, Eric, are you in Hawaii? He is. We we talked about that a little bit earlier. I mean, it's where I am, it's 10.30 p.m. It's it's middle of the afternoon for Eric right now on the <laughs> island of Oahu. And what's what's really funny is I said to him before the show, I said, so how long are you going to be able to spend with us? I said, well, you know, I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half, and then we're going to go for supper. You know, and I'm the rest of us are going to bed. <laughs> He's going out for supper. Card Collector 82 says, that's an incredible story. What a privilege to hear it, Eric. Thank you for sharing. Bobby Burrell, welcome. Bobby says, inspirational story, Eric. Some errors in life don't become mistakes until you refuse to collect them. Like, that's a that's a quote, Bobby. If that's an original, kudos to you. But well said. Hey, Eric, is not a well said quote right there? That's amazing, man. That's yeah. until you refuse to correct them. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. I would screenshot that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to put that on your Instagram. That's, that's a, good, a one. good one, man. That's a good yeah, one for sure. That's definitely worth quoting right there, man. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, well, well, well said, Bobby Sanderson to Or says, "I am a substance abuse counselor for twenty years, and I wish I could hear more stories like this during my day. But the reality is, I don't." Eric, you've done a fantastic job. That's really nice to hear. AK says, "Serious question: What are your thoughts on leaf trading cards? Be honest. I know Brian has been on this show, but how well do they hold their value? I mean." Um, yeah, off-topic question, AK. But uh, I love Leaf trading cards. What can I say? I love Leaf trading cards. They they are well known for having the best vintage hockey memorabilia. And I I only really know I know they do more than just hockey, but they do a lot of hockey because he bought in the game trading cards from Dr. Brian Price, and uh, they do a really great job of putting vintage uh, memorabilia into cards. A lot of people call them vintage cards, but they're modern cards with vintage memorabilia. Darren says, this just goes to show that the universe always has your back, ready to supply abundance when you're ready to give of yourself. Very nice comment. Ribbon Flip says, had a feeling you're from Hawaii from your IG name. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell us now. So I appreciate the story again, Eric. I mean, it's really great to hear. Um, 
just it it just makes me feel like more of your friend in a way. I know more about you now. You know what I mean? And it just it's just it just when you when when someone shares with you, I, I don't know about people in the audience in the chat, but for me, it just really makes me it endears you to me, and I feel more like just closer to you. So that's how I'm feeling right now. Let's hear what are you collecting now personally? Like what what is your collection based around? Yeah, right now, so. I've always, you know, basketball been kind of like the big three, right? LeBron, Kobe, and Jordan. I have done some older basketball as well, some of the vintage stuff. I, every now and then I'll branch off to go to some of the modern players, like whether it be, you know, Westbrook, Harden, or, you know, Dirk, Giannis, stuff like that, or Luka, Zion, or whoever it may be. I do branch off, but I always gravitate around the big three. So it's going to be Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. Right now, though, I think where a lot of people have been introduced to me I didn't get on Instagram except about a year, year and a half ago. Ago, a lot of people have been introduced to me due to the Kobe collection. You know, I probably had at one time maybe a two million dollar Kobe collection, Kobe autos. Well, you put in rookies and everything. Yeah, probably about two, two, a little over two million. Uh, uh, and just in Kobe's, not counting everything else, right? And I think that I love the aspect. So I'm I'm addicted to ink, right? I love autograph stuff. I think that bring that connects me as a collector, closer to the athlete. And I'm just obsessed with it, whether it be autographed baseballs, bats, jerseys, autographed cards, doesn't even have to be rookie cards. But I also do, you know, again, Jordan and LeBron as well. And football, I tend, like I'll do some modern football. I've owned <laughs> some pretty nice Brady's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean like, oh God, if I, you know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but that's a story for it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I, I, the newer players, I like DK Metcalf. I do like uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. I think he's really good. I, it's very disheartening that Saquon Barkley got hurt. I thought he had a ton of potential. But traditionally, I like to go with Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Bruce Smith. I think that's because my era, but plus the, just how much they accomplished. Emmitt Smith, my all-time favorite football player, without a question of doubt, is Barry Sanders. Like without a question, like that. He's it's him, and then everybody else. Um, in hockey, I, there was a time I had a BGS nine five, uh, Wayne Gretzky OPG rookie. That was nice. The only hockey because I, I'm I'm from originally Texas, right, Dallas. So I'm so far from Canada. So I just hung around the Gretzky OPG. That's all I've ever owned is Gretzky OPGs. But that's not a bad place to be, right? That's it's really not not a, place. <laughs> not a bad a place, place to be. You know, and so in in baseball. Um, I, I I think, truth be told, my heart lives and dies with vintage baseball. I mean, it, because I don't find myself reading books. And it's nothing against the origin of football or basketball. Nothing against that at all. But, man, I find myself just getting lost in books of vintage baseball. The origins of baseball bats, top 100 autographed baseballs ever. Just how the game was orchestrated from the inception just almost year after year decade after decade just just losing myself and just little things like the, the way the jerseys were made you know how they were made in that type of that that wool that flannel that wool flannel just you could almost feel the americana history in it you know you see the patinas of the bats and just the fluidity in those vintage players autographs you could just you could almost smell the popcorn and hot dogs from those 1930s and 40s baseball games and I just, I saw in love with vintage baseball. And so what I collect in baseball, I like some vintage cards. Um, 39 play ball, Ted Williams is my favorite. 
but traditionally I don't really go much newer than the Ricky Henderson. A buddy of mine actually won that card. Uh, I believe it was on Heritage last night, not before last, the Henderson PSA 10, which was a steal, by the way, at $108,000. Absolute steal. And that was, he's going to do really well on that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't find myself, I think the newest baseball card I would own, well, of course you have, you know, King Griffith Jr., would probably be the cheater. I think yeah. that's as new as I'll get. Um, I'm still, I, I'm, I need to learn more and more before I get comfortable to drop. Because as you know, Jeremy, prices are getting up there. They're way up there. You're going to start dumping money in baseball. But yeah, that's what I collect. Yeah. Okay, man. I mean, I, I think back to seeing your showcase of all those Kobe autos uh, on Sasha T's video. And it was just like, okay, there's a Kobe auto. And, and then, you know, the kind of, kind of, pans across the showcase. I was like, wait a second. There's like 50 of them in there. <laughs> and, they're, <laughs> and they're all from, was it flawless or what, what product were those all from? Oh my God. So at one time people don't realize this and a little bit of a history, right? Flawless made patch autos for Kobe from 2012 to 2017. Made it for five years. And in five years total, they only graded 20 PSA 10s total, total that were ever graded over five years. And I think they made about 550 cards. And at one time I had 14 of the 20. I did. But no, there was a bunch of other ones. There was SP Authentic Upper Deck. I had some really nice chronologies. Um, some, a lot of one-of-ones. But yeah, the flawless. I had some really nice flaws. And I, I, and I, and I mentioned in the Sasha video, and Sasha and, and Guy, they're, are, they're such good listeners, good people. You know, I look forward to doing business with them in the future as well. Uh, thank, I'm so grateful they put me on their program. But and I had mentioned in that video that I had so many of them, nobody knew the value of them. So I actually had to put some of them out there a lot cheaper than what I thought they were worth just so they could trade hands and bring the value up. You know, instead of me convincing somebody to overpay for one, I would say, okay, look, I was into them really inexpensive. So I'll sell them under what I believe, like significantly under what I believe the value was and let, you know, four or five, six of them trade hands. And then I might sprinkle them once the value came up and I would let go one or two more for now. I've only got four out of the 14 left and then I have one raw card left. Flawless patch autos, but yeah, but it's but but through the process, a lot of other people have got to enjoy them, and they fell on in love with them, and that's really what it's about. I did really well on them. It wasn't about me maximizing them; it was about teaching others the, the, the lineage or the, the history of that card and Kobe's, and and actually by me being okay to let them go, it increased the value exponentially over the ones that I kept, and I didn't, you know, it's a beautiful again has said it's a beautiful way how the universe kind of rewards you yeah and I'll, you know this is again another great story eric you're full of them but i, I do want to say that those are gorgeous cards like you know not every card is is as beautiful as the next and those kobe cards are just stunning to look at are you reaching for one right now yeah yeah let's have a look at let's have a people always want to see cards let's have a look at one of these and then we're going to go to some comments right come on look at that thing wow the way the gold shimmers. Now, I think these are probably, I, I like the sapphire blue, but the gold, I think, is just so class. So this is a pop two card. Um, it's, so it's PSA 10. There's only two of them that graded out of the, so this one's numbered to 25. There's only two that graded PSA 10 out of the 25. There's the yeah. other one. There they are. <laughs> there they are. There's the other one. Stunning cards. Stunning cards. Here's. I'll do one real quick. Sure. This is now this one when I bought it from the gentleman. Not it wasn't his fault, but when I came in, when it came to me, 
the case was spider cracked, right? The card was fine, but the case got damaged. And it's okay, it wasn't his fault. So I didn't got tired of looking at it, so I did cut the, the seal and replace it with another flawless case. This one is is probably, and it's raw, it's not even a PSA 10. This one is probably my favorite flawless patch auto Kobe that I've ever owned. Get ready, folks. Get ready for yeah. this. So this one. Can you hold it a bit higher? Hold it. It's just like, yeah, thank you. Because I have my camera in front of the bottom third of you of your screen. So yeah. I don't know if you're able to see the number. There you go. Le yeah, tilt the top towards the camera. It makes it a bit easier. There you go. Perfect. It's yeah. number eight of it's number eight of eight. Amazing. Yeah. Now the cool part is this patch, right? Where am I? So the patch right here. Yeah. So these were made at the very end of the 2017 print run. The last eight, right? And in that print run, they wanted to use a 1996 rookie jersey of Kobe Bryant. And that's how it's so the eight, all eight of them are the name Bryant. So this is this is the A. Top of the A. The top of the A from 1996 rookie patch. You know, I know. So it's just the history about it. The fact that it's number eight of eight. The fact that the jersey came from a rookie. I mean, because Kobe's rookie year, he wasn't a top 10 pick. I think he was pick number 13. And nobody, he could have been a bust. He absolutely could have been a bust. So this jersey at this time was just a, he could have been a nobody. You know, just another, a Laker that didn't pan out. So historically, I love it. That's Actually, an amazing they, card. They had just enough of the patch left over to make one flawless patch auto in 2018. So technically they made them for, to 2018, but they really didn't. They just made one flawless patch auto card in 2018. It's a one of one, and I know the owner, and hopefully at some point in the next 20 years, he allows me the blessing to buy it from him. <laughs> for now, I think it's in a good home. It's definitely yeah. a beautiful home. At least you know where it is. That's always nice to nice to know as well, right? Yeah. 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 The, Co the Kobe Auto community is a very, very well-knit community of people who, they, they passionate. I have never, to be honest, Jeremy, I've never really been involved in a in a community as tightly knit as the kobe uh, with the kobe community those people money doesn't it's not that money doesn't matter to them it's that truly the the, the card and they, they were connected to it well before a lot of them were connected to their cards decade or two decades before kobe passed away like they've been collecting some of these people have been collecting kobe since 97 98 right maybe 96 and they just kept piling piling so the fact that he passed away that just cemented that how much more they love them. Yeah. So no, no amount of money to some of these people, it matters to them, you know? yeah. which is beautiful. It's heartbreaking when you're trying to buy stuff, but it's beautiful to watch and to truly see that they're, they have a well-off collection, but they're truly collectors at heart. Well, that's just but, it, right? There's so much talk these days about investing and investors and card values. And I'm not, you know, I'm not discouraging that or saying it, it, it it's wrong but it is just such a it's so nice to to hear about collectors that it's like we talk about when i talk uh with with in the with jordan collectors you know we often say that jordan collectors don't sell their cards a lot of the time that's why you don't see the grails coming up very often and it's just nice to know that during these these months of such high values and so much investor talk that the collector is still going strong you know uh, in the kobe market in the in the jordan market and, and just overall in the hobby it's nice to know okay let's go to a few comments 
These have been, some of these are about 10 minutes old, but Dex Flow just got here. Love this guy's story from Sasha T podcast. Really inspirational. Very nice. Triple V, as a lifelong Texan, I collect Hornsby and Speaker heavily. Nice. Rogers Hornsby and Tris Speaker. Yeah. I mean, now we're yeah. talking like T206 era type of stuff, right? Nice, nice. I like that. I like yeah. that. Uh, you don't see those names come up very often. No, you don't. You do not. Uh, Darren says, vintage baseball. Heck yes. Got any babes, Eric? So we you, we got something. He's got something. Are, are you going to show them? I have them here. Wait, wait. But yes, right. we'll show them. Let's. Well, here, Jeremy S. Uh, I, I, Jer- this, is a, <laughs> this is yeah. This is one of our uh, our um, clubhouse contemporaries. So talk about the Babe Ruth ball. How did you get it? We'll get there. Couple of responses to the Kobe cards. Wow, Toa, another clubhouse uh, veteran, says that's a Van Gogh right there. Very nice from sports card seller, '90s hockey collector. Good evening, courtside collectibles. Which I had your credentials. Nine point credentials are my favorite cards. I think. I mean, yeah. top three yeah. card of all time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. A couple more wows. Oh, we're not worthy. G's learning something every day. Rookie patch. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Henry H says, I wish I have Eric money back in 2013, probably buying super high in 90s insert Jordan and Kobe. Man, I love 97 Jambalaya. So do I. So do I. And Sports Card Seller says, protecting the history. Okay, so let's do it. Let's talk about the, the Kobe ball, or should I say ball? Oh, sorry, the, 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 the Babe Ruth ball, or should I say balls? <laughs> Your preference, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll break I'll break them down to two, one at a time. I was grateful enough that I bought my first favorite ball about 10 years ago, nine or 10 years ago from a gentleman who resides in New York. Very good guy. I love doing business with him. He's really good. But unfortunately, about seven, eight years ago, maybe about eight, nine years ago, man, time flies. I sold it with my first 52 Tops Mantle to one buyer so I could reinvest the money and to keep compounding up. I reached out to him last year. And asked him if he could track down the ball that I had sold. Even though I didn't sell it to him, I sold it to somebody else. But he's really in, in tune in the industry. And he did track it back down. But in the process, I asked him if he had, what's his best favorite ball? So I talked it out of him. And I passed on buying the one I had back um, to buy this one. I don't know if you can see it. Um, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, it's got a beautiful there, but we we yeah, there that's a nice that's a nice capture of it right there. Yeah, what a clean single signed ball. It's single signed, right? Oh yeah. It's a single signed American League ball. Um, I don't know if you can see yeah, it's got the stamping on the back. It's a single signed American League ball. Now this one, how they grade balls is different. So well, it's kind of the same with cards. Here they grade the ball and the autograph, right? So and you combine the two for an average, unlike cards. So the ball is an eight autograph and the Sorry, the autograph is an eight. The ball is a seven. So it's an overall seven and a half average. But they allot, PSA allots up to a half point bump for IFU. So this one went from a seven and a half to an eight. So the overall, it's an eight. Which once you hit, and so single sign, you always want the ball in the league the player played in. So Clemente, you want a single sign Clemente National League ball. Versus Babe Ruth, you want a single sign American League ball. And if you can, once you get into the eights and higher, so an eight traditionally is going to run you American League single sign eight, probably 165 to 175 to start off into. You'd be hard, especially if you could get one with the auto as, as, as nice as this one. I don't know if I can, yeah, it's got that glare. Sorry. Sorry. Right. If, if you can get the auto as nice as this one, 
you're probably going to pay, you know, 165 to 185, 165 to $185,000 for that one. Yeah. Now the second one I have, I recently just bought at Leland's auction house. I'm very grateful to the gentleman by the name of Jordan that he assisted me, um, led, given me some pictures and information. It was nice enough to talk to me whenever I had questions as I was bidding on it. Very, very good gentleman. It's been an honor and pleasure knowing him. Uh, this one I bought two or three weeks ago in Leland auction. Now, the, the autograph is graded. The ball is not. Uh, so it's, I'll show you this one. This one, the autograph, however, let me see if I can. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. It's amazing that it's withstood the test of time. Like, it looks like it's fresh ballpoint. Yeah. So this one, the autograph is actually, it's the same grade. They're both eights, but it's the autograph's a lot more bold. Definitely a lot more bold. But the ball is just a smidge less. I don't know if you can see them. Sorry. Got that glare. I do apologize. So, so what were you saying? One of the balls is a little bit more uh, toned? Um, or? Yeah, one's a little more toned. So the one on Leland's cost me about 105000 and the other one is um, I honestly paid about, well, I don't, I don't know if the seller wants me to disclose it, but it's worth about 165, 180. Yeah, so no. it's about no. a little under 300000 for the two Babe Ruth balls. And are those, are those like um, somewhat, would you say those are your prized possessions right now? Yeah, and not most expensive, you know, for, by no means, but definitely, yeah. So the reason for that is I'd probably gotten this uh, a little bit la last night when we talked last night. The Babe Ruth, single sign American League Babe Ruth ball was, before Babe Ruth, there was no historical athletic icon globally. There just wasn't. The world didn't know sports because in the 1800s, we were still formulating ourselves as a species to become somewhat civilized. And it's in a functioning manner, right? We were, yeah. people were still chopping down trees to build homes. That's where we were in the 1800s. Pre-industrial revolution. Yeah, pre-anything. Well, I mean, yeah. really, I mean, right. That's, I mean, we were just, we were still carving roads, like, it, you know, out of tree. It's, people look at it and don't realize, they go, ah, sports has kind of probably been around forever. Baseball, because we didn't have football back then. We didn't have basketball. You had baseball. Most people don't even realize the first 20 or 30 years of baseball the bats really could be any shape. They could be flat on one side, round on the other. They, there was, you know, so the infancy was still there. It wasn't until Babe Ruth got traded to the Yankees that the world was introduced to sports in regards to a form of just daily blue-collared entertainment. You know, I mean, we had the Olympics back in the Egyptian times in Greek and Athens, but that was different because it was just every so once in a while. Baseball became a part of the Amer It became right then a part of true Americana. It now intertwined the sports Americana. At the time, cards were just fillers for gum and tobacco. They literally were to be looked at for a few seconds and thrown away. They were just trash to sell tobacco and gum. That's what they were. They were trash. Um, today, we don't look at them that way, but then that's what they were. The first thing that anybody truly coveted that, is, that a father could give a son or daughter that was coveted as far as a collectible in this industry was a single signed Babe Ruth baseball. That was what people wanted. They want, he, once he became a global icon, things that he signed or touched, that's what people, that's where we started to put attachment to monetary value, to something that came or touched an athlete or had an image of an athlete. Up until that moment in time, 
the two had never been correlated together. So for me, in order to enjoy the 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 Kobe's or the LeBrons or the Jordans or the Gretzkys, to enjoy anything, it all stems from that. Like that's it's truly the origin of the passion that I live on a daily basis, you know, and to be able just to be able to sit up on three. Growing up as a kid, you you watch Sandlot, you see people now that are in their 30s, whatever, watch Sandlot, and they, oh, I remember that. Just to say that I've owned one, most people, 99.999% of the world will never own that. And just to be so grateful that the fact that I've owned three really nice ones, man, it's, yeah, dude, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, no, man, it's it's really cool. And I, I, I appreciate the historical perspective on, on you know, when sports icons became, you know, meshed into the fabric of, of America, of Americana. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, let's go to a few comments. Uh, I want uh, we have Joffer here who uh, I just met the other night on Clubhouse. Good evening, Joffer. Great to see you, says my brother. I know you guys are close. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan Silvershine says, no one cares oh, yeah. about Ruth. Where's the, where's the Ted Williams rookie card? Which I, Oh, there it is. There it is. You want to show that a bit closer yeah. to the camera? Tell me. Uh, and what's the... Yeah, so that is, a, that is a PSA 9, 1939 play ball, Ted Williams. Let's see if I can cover that Cover it up a little bit. If you tilt the top towards this screen, it sometimes helps and pull it back a bit. There it goes. That's good. That's good. What a beautiful uh, example of that card. Yeah. That's, see, we're called sports cards live, not sports single sign Babe Ruth balls live. So. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's, are, that's my favorite nice baseball card of all time. Yeah. Like, Why? Why is that your favorite baseball card of all time? You know, so I spent years buying. Like 52 mantles and, and other cards that everybody told me were great investments that were gonna that were gonna increase, but not buying what I wanted, you know. Um, outside of Babe Ruth, Ted Williams is my favorite player ever, without question. I mean, in any sport, it, that's just how it is. And I've always loved I love the black and white photo. I love how young he was in the picture, his rookie year, 1939. The card's like 82 years old. It's got the age into it. But most importantly, outside of that, he won two triple crowns. Outside of the fact he's the last person to bat 400 and how he batted 400, those, that last double header, the last game of the season, last two games in that one day. But the fact that as a former soldier, the fact that he left for three and a half years in his prime, the age of 24, 25, and 26, the prime of the prime of his career to go fight for his country. I think any, any country... Citizens can acknowledge the, the magnitude, whether you're in Canada or America, you acknowledge when people fight for your country, um, for sure. that that's honorable. And then to come back and that he sacrificed not only his, well, he was a fighter pilot. I mean, anyway, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it wouldn't, yeah, anyway, but, but then to come back and still be a Hall of Fame player, then not only that, but he won a triple crown and batted 406 before he left. He comes back and within two years, hits another triple crown. If a player did that today, they would make him the logo and nobody would argue. Yeah. I mean, if somebody, if, if it happened in Canada, if you had a hall of fame player who was the greatest, probably the greatest player in hockey, then went and fought for Canada for three years in combat and war came back and then still was the greatest hall of fame player for several more years, another five, eight years. Yeah. There would be statues of him everywhere. 
<laughs> Let me tell you, uh, you've heard of Mario Lemieux? Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's, you know, there's often a discussion who is better, Lemieux or Gretzky. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm firmly in the Gretzky camp, but a lot of people will say Lemieux. And, uh, you know, he, he, re he, he retired or he, he was definitely, you know, a Hall of Fame player. He, I believe he, if someone can correct me in the chat, but he retired. He, he uh, came down with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's right. Cancer, fought cancer, came back and went on to, to still play at that same level. Um, so, you know, it's a bit different. Didn't fight for his country, but he fought for his life and he came back and uh, and still play to that same caliber of, 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 of hockey that he played before. So pretty, 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 uh, you know, inspiring story right there as well. So, okay, let's uh, a couple more questions. Sanderson Dore, are those ball holders airtight? Um, they can be, but uh, they're very close to being airtight. But no, I believe not. I wouldn't put them in water. I know. I'm going to try it out. No, of course not. Even if they were airtight, you wouldn't. Hey, wh while I think of it, because I know we got a we got a lot of new people here that haven't seen the show before. That Eric, thank you for bringing you know attracting people to the show and to to my my YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. I appreciate it, buddy. And just to everybody who's new, welcome to the show. Uh, if it's your first time watching, appreciate having you here. And uh, hit the th you know click that thumbs up button and please uh, subscribe to the channel. I'm gonna say it. I bring the best guests in 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 hobby content that that there is. So if you want to keep track of what's going on, who we're bringing out. Please uh, subscribe to the channel. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Terry Fortune says one for under each pillow. I like that comment. Like that comment a lot. Twenty three Airness says Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Eric and J Jeremy and Eric. Who you got as the most iconic athlete of all time? I'll let you go first, Eric. Um, it's, it's Babe, it's Babe, Babe Ruth. right? It's Babe. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. There, there was no when when people say who's the most iconic athlete of all time. There was no phrase iconic athlete until him. And, and we the talked, fact that, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the fact that for years he hit more home runs than entire teams. I don't think people realize like how dominant like he was, like truly how dominant he was. I mean, at times teams were hitting 29 and 30, 40 home runs. When he hit 60 home runs, I think it was like nine teams. The whole team didn't hit that many home runs. Like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine Jordan scored more points than whole teams? I mean, because what's weird is in there, at dominant time, I would say Wilt Chamberlain would probably be more dominant. Granted, he was probably more athletic than almost everybody else in the court. But at the time, dominance is just the dominance in which the area you played in. And you can't slight him or give him any more favoritism other than the, what they were given at that time. I would say probably uh, Wilt should be in that discussion. But for me, it's Babe. Yeah. No, I mean, f fair enough, man. I'm not going well, to argue, argue with you. We had this discussion. I think it was, was this you and me personally, or was this in a group uh, clubhouse chat last night or the night before? I don't remember. Yeah, but we've had, we had this discussion. And uh, so, you know, timely uh, comment 23, Aaroness. I'm going to go with Michael Jordan. Just, you know, I, I totally read nothing against Babe Ruth, of course, but I'm just going to take the angle that, you know, he is the global brand. He is the, you know, he he he's he is bigger than his sport. Uh, people know him for his shoes. Some people don't even know, you know, around the world might not even know that he ever was a basketball player. They think <laughs> they think that shoe they they don't know that they're called shoes. They think they're called Jordans. You know, so I mean, he's uh, he's so big on a on a global level now. But without the 
previous icons paving the path for him, you know, it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be where things wouldn't be where they are today. But just like anything, they it's like everything, it evolves. And um, you know, I'm sure he's grateful for the for the people that that uh, paved the road for him, like the Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali's, and everybody else that that was you know that is entrenched in in the history of sport. So, great question, fun question, and probably no yeah. no technically correct answer. Uh, Bobby Burrell says cards truly started off in the late 1800s as informational bookmarks. This is coming from <laughs> and Bobby. Bobby is a hobby historian through and through, so um, I'm not gonna say you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna say thank you for the information, Bobby. Uh, Mike Zier, thank you so much for the compliment. Uh, we're I'm having fun, Eric. You having fun? Oh, I'm having a blast. I love doing shows, man. Right on, right on. Uh, Toa Hang says Eric's collection is a freaking art museum. Might as well call his collection the Louvre. Pretty funny, pretty funny. Terry wants to know, do you have a Honus Wagner? No, I mean, I wanted one for a long time, but as I dive deeper and deeper into my my heart, my psyche, I don't know if the Wagner is something that, not, it's expensive, right? So I get that. I just don't, once you get to that level of, of magnitude in regards to where you're putting your, your liquid capital, I don't have a hundred million dollars, unfortunately, to spend to, to, to drop two, three, four, five million into, into a Wagner. And because of that, like, in order for me to buy one, I'd have to really, from, from my perspective, love it, you know, and nothing against the Wagner. It's just there are other cards I would rather buy than the Wagner. Like, I, I would honestly, for me personally, like to have um, a really nice, for the same money I could buy a Wagner, I could buy a really nice, I could try to chase the PSA 10. Uh, Gretzky, OPG, and maybe a PSA 951 Bowman Mantle. And I would be much happier with those two cards than the Wagner. Emotionally, I would, oh man, I would love those. Nothing against the Wagner, nothing against it at all. It's just, I don't have unlimited funds. No, I'm, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, feel, I feel the same way. Here's a great question from Daniel Busby. What, Eric, what do you think about collecting Tom Brady in 30 years? Will Tom be on Babe Ruth's level? What? I'm probably going to reiterate this. I don't think there's ever going to be anybody truly on Babe Ruth's level. Um, that being said, football's different. So you, there's a multitude of people, at least four or five, you could put on the Mount Rushmore for basketball, right? And there's no shortage of people you could put on the Mount Rushmore for baseball, especially cards. What are the Mount Rushmore cards? You could probably hit five or six pretty quick, at least four or five in, in football and baseball. In my mind, sorry, in basketball and baseball. In my mind, there's only two cards. In football that belong in the Mount Rushmore. You could argue a third, and I would be willing to concede as well as li listen to it and as well concede to that argument. It's a uh, Jim Brown PSA 9 and a playoff contenders Tom Brady. And that, so if someone goes, what do you think? About? And I'm not even a Brady fan because I, at one time I used to have four PSA 10 Brady's and three BGS 95's and SGC 98. I used to have eight at one time playoff contenders. I no longer own any of those, unfortunately. But there's only two cards. Now you could say the Bronco Nagurski, and I would I would listen to that argument, and it, I would probably concede on that. Unfortunately, not enough people know who Bronco Nagurski is, of the Ninja Heritage, in which he came from. But three at max. But overall, um, and again, because Nagurski was one of the greatest earlys, so I would listen to that. But in my mind, for modern football, and I'm talking about like you know, of course, Jim Brown's time enough, right? There's two. Jim Brown and, and Brady. If you really want to get technical, there's three. And that's it. I don't think there will ever be another quarterback. Yeah, he's the greatest there ever has been. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. it's hard to say that because I'm not a Brady fan. I'm tired of listening to Patriot fans talk about <laughs> Patriots. But, but you, you can't deny it, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's got everything to back it up, right? And longevity too. Like he's just he's he's done it. So okay, Tampa, Tampa did it. Tampa did yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Metalberg says, I can't wait to get on Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse is a lot of fun. 23 Aranus says, thank you, Jeremy, for going with MJ. You have his same hairstyle. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and 23 Aranus, we are the same height. Believe it or not, the only difference is that I can't dunk. That's the only <laughs> difference between me and MJ. I can't dunk. Dinek says, sorry, the most iconic athlete of all time is MJ. He changed the whole game and outlook on the NBA. Before him, basketball was not widely a regarded sport. I mean, the only thing I'll say to that is that basketball is far from the only sport. So, but I do, I mean, I'm still with you, but I don't think that's what describes it or that's what defines it. But anyway, still, thank you for the comment. Sanderson Dorse says, the most iconic athlete is Jesse Owens. The guy faced Hitler in his own house as a black man and sent him home crying. Interesting tidbit of trivia there. Uh, Deatra Bovee says MJ saved the NBA, which is, you know, kind of, did he save the card hobby? Cause they came back in 86 with Fleer because I mean, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, they were, you know, they were pretty it's exciting like, too. Yeah. And the NBA wasn't trash. In the I mean, Bird Magic, I mean, they were, I mean, Dr. J, the NBA, I mean, Will, the, the Celtics were on a run. I mean, the, I, I think what happens, and I'm not saying that he's wrong, everybody's opinion is valid. I think what happens is, if we weren't alive, then we just pretend like, oh, none of that existed. You look at how the inception of the NBA and, and how fast it grew in a short of a period of time. We kind of, especially when it became the NBA, like it exponentially grew so fast to, to say that then Jordan built. I think what happened is global travel is happening a lot more. Jordan created a brand with the shoes and he kind of got there at that right time. You know, the internet within during his career was coming about you, the social interaction was, was more pronounced and as before, because of air travel, you know, just a lot of things happened and just grew at that time with MJ. But I don't think there's any shortage of love and desire. Um, I mean, you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, there's a lot of people that, you know, that really built the NBA. Um, did Jordan transcend and take it to another level? Absolutely. And I mean, and honestly, you could almost, Say the same thing, LeBron. Like LeBron with, with social advocacy and stuff. He's, you know, now do I think LeBron's on Jordan's level? No, but I, I think, you know, there's definitely because you remove the shoes of Jordan. Um, I, LeBron's bigger than him, but Jordan is the shoes and the shoes of Jordan. So yeah, I mean, he 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 him and Nike pioneered the whole shoe deal era. So I mean, it's 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 a it's a whole marketing it, it it's a marketing strategy that that he's a, a big part of. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, Brandon says Clubhouse sounds like a good time. It, it is, unfortunately, it's it's a good time. It's it's addictive, and I'm on there very late every night. Uh, Brent Criswell, ever seen the Red Stockings collection that came up on Antiques Red Show Roadshow? Mm-hmm. Spalding and others, such a historical collection. We're gonna keep. We're gonna whip through some of these. Uh, Eric Daniel, my man, says hi everyone. Another great ho- another great guest tonight. Jeremy, amazing stuff. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel, accept my Clubhouse invitation. Those things are those things are like gold right now. Please accept it. Uh, Colin Murray says Jack Nicholas is pretty close as iconic, maybe not card wise, but just as iconic for the right generation. Sure. I mean, and we didn't even, haven't even talked about Tiger Woods, who's on a very high level as well. Uh, here we go. Shane Schwint, Magic and Bird saved the NBA. We were, weren't we just talking about that, Eric? Weren't we just talking about that? Rip and Flip says, How would you suggest someone could achieve a collection like yours if they started from scratch? 
I mean, that, that we're, we're not going to get in that. We don't have time for that because I think Eric can give a sermon on that right now. And uh, yeah, have a message me. Message me on Instagram. I'll give it There advice. you go, Rip and Flip. Send him a message on Instagram. Triple V says icons change generationally. It's all relevant to your nostalgia. That's a good point. I, I agree. Everyone's got a different icon, right? But it's it's, you know, how far back are you willing to look and to study and to research the history? Because if you're a historian as well as a collector, you may you may stray outside of the the era that relates to you. I'm just just putting it out there. Uh, 1977 Star Wars. What do you think about collecting Doctor J rookies? I mean, way undervalued. Way I've got one. I, I need one for my collection. I have it. I love it. I think it's worthwhile holding. Eric, your 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 Wi-Fi, I think, is starting to waver a little bit. I don't know if there's someone using Wi-Fi in your house right now, but if there is, perhaps you could ask them to turn off a Netflix or something if that's going on. If yeah. not, we'll. If not, we'll just work through it. Yeah. Sorry. Is it is it so bad? It, you're you're freezing up now a little bit. You were a few minutes earlier, but now it's uh, you're frozen right now. I can hear you sort of, but you're you're kind of. One second. Can you give me one second. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Checking on it. All okay, right. Go yeah, ahead. Cool. Sorry about that. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Well, I'm gonna keep on going through the comments here. Gizmo, if Ruth Mantle had Nike, Reebok, et cetera, then it wouldn't even be a question. Jordan, Kobe, LeBron have all had the endorsements. Even Gretzky didn't have the endorsements the athletes have today. It's a true story. Joffer says, what about the Joe Montana PSA 10, Eric? Is that a, is that a, is that a Mount Rushmore card? Uh, it's hard for me to say no. It really is. Uh, yeah. It is, you know, because I'm, I'm from that era, and I'm much more of a Montana fan. But no, um, Brady dethroned him. And, and, and you got to get the hard part of being a collector and a lover of sport and athletics is giving credit where credit's due. You know, and I think I, I think that I would put the Jerry Rice rookie on the Mount Rushmore football before I would put the Montana rookie. What about this one? What about the Walter Payton? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. up there, too, right? Yeah, I mean, but they're not on the level of the Brown and the and the um, the Tom Brady. But I feel like the next two and the Nagurski, those three, I feel like the next two would be Peyton and, and the Rice. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Toa has a fun question: Was it smart investing that got you your amazing collection, or extreme sacrifices like eating ramen noodles, or a combination? Yes. Yes, both. I think really, honestly, make it real quick. I. I was one trying to make money, but I just put my money with where my passion was. And, you know, sometimes now I made a lot of money on Giannis and other players. I have probably made, I would say 30 to 40% of the money I've made collectively was through smart investing, but 60% or more has come from just following my heart and not really not saying that I don't care about the money, but it was really just because that's what I believed in and loved. And if it didn't, and if it fell and collapsed, I've been broke for other reasons. And if I'm going to follow my heart and passion and put my money in it and and everything went to zero, at least I followed my heart. You know, so I think that was really what got me monetarily successful. Yeah. Cool, man. Okay. There's a, there's a, here's a good question from Gizmo or a comment. The fact that all these old iconic players didn't have the same endorsement potential makes their cards so much more special and unpredictable. I, I don't know. I don't really know that I catching on to the unpredictable piece, but the special piece, I'm with you on that. Like that, you know, your Ted Williams, right? The Babe Ruth, old Babe Ruth cards. Any any card from really the 70s and earlier 
You know, yeah. these were these guys weren't making millions of dollars a year. They were uh, they were blue collar workers. And that's, and that's a lot of people had a lot of athletes from before the fifties had to have second jobs. Unless you were a top five or ten athlete, you had to have a job during the offseason. You had to, you have to think. You go back to the forties and thirties in Babe Ruth. Most of them didn't have electricity or refrigerators. They didn't have modern medicine. They couldn't just go get their Tommy John surgery because that hadn't even been invented yet. You blew an ACL, we'll, we'll try to cut you open and maybe see what we can do with these you know, rudimentary tools that they had back then. The fact that they didn't have just the same nutrition that we have. I mean, they didn't have refrigerators. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't even care about baseball if I didn't have a refrigerator. Like, I, would, I mean, they had ice boxes. They had people bring the ice to them you know maybe in canada you can just go outside and you, there it is there's the ice, right a so, few months a year sure yeah. yeah 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 but there's a lot to be said that they didn't the players nowadays make 20 30 40 million a year jesus right it's crazy it, it, it's crazy for sure for sure but hey they they bring in the the endorsement they bring in mm -hmm. the they bring in the revenue right so it's it's it is what it is it's uh it's just capitalism at its finest, I suppose. Uh, Fire Sports Cards, great show, Jeremy's usual. Eric is a great guest with amazing insight. Yep, definitely agree with that. And uh, oh, and uh, Sanderson says, Bobby Orr had a summer job in the 70s. Bobby Orr, yeah. So Bo Bobby Orr is often also in the GOAT discussion. It's Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr, and I'm firmly in the Wayne Gretzky camp. I don't even think it's close, actually. I know some people in the chat will kind of shake their head at me, but it's not even close in my opinion. But, um, you know, for just stats, career, whole career-wise and everything. But in any event, um, no more comments. We're at the end of the comments right now, which is great. You said you'd do about an hour to an hour and a half. We're at an hour 15. You want to go grab some dinner with your family pretty quick here, I'm guessing? Yeah. So let's open it up to sort of final comments from the chat, guys. If you have any final comments, questions, try and keep them quick and pointed so, so we can not, you know, put Eric into a five-minute sort of answer. Um, and um, I mean, there were, there's a bunch of stuff we did. I wanted to talk a bit about your interactions with auction houses, um, your interactions with the fractional ownership companies and your new, your, your very new role as an employee of PWCC and what it is you're doing there. Um, I'll let you pick what you want to talk about uh, for the last five, 10 minutes here. Man, I would like to start off as just saying I'm grateful that PWCC extended the opportunity to allow me to come work for the company. Um, the direction in which they're heading I'm so grateful that when I go there and I interact with the employees and my boss's superiors, they're so focused on, on just putting forth a good, honest product. And I think that they, to a degree, they get a bad rap. I'm not familiar with anything that happened before I started working there. I've only been there a few months, but they're driven and focused on um, the impression, how, how it's perceived. They, they want to make sure that you know, they're, they're, they have a new auction, uh, premier auction opening in May. Bidders are going to be vetted, no shield bidding, no sniping. They're trying to get rid of any even perception of that out of there on these on this major auction. The fact that it, the imaging that they're going to have, going to, uh, the videos of each card, the rotating 360 degree, uh, high resolution scans, the, the the direction that they're heading, and the fact that they're so, a lot of those employees work seven days a week to catch up because they're a little behind. They put forth a lot of their life in that company. Um, it's an honor to work alongside of them. And so what I do there as a role is I'm a customer service liaison. So I handle a litany of different customers, um, help them with the bulk, false submissions, marketplace, I list things, flash auctions, 
you know, email them, you know, tracking slips. Basically, you're trying to cultivate entrepreneur, you know, people's collections as well. You know, try to help them manage them and get them insured, but help entrepreneurs become more efficient, shipping to the vault, getting out of there, maximizing their ROIs. And I'm very grateful for that. And then from there, I'll spin that into. So it led me, I, I did a lot of private sales with PWCC. I'm, I, I probably, I sold a lot there um, privately uh, with Jesse. He's a great boss, an amazing person. I love working for him um, to the point to where they, they, they knew about who I was in the industry. So they extended me uh, a job, but I'd also grown really close to mainly collectibles and Otis. And you had mentioned that you'll have Michael on the CEO of Otis next week. And Dan, who had commented before, um, and Michael are good friends of mine, amazing people. I am a firm. At first, I was hesitant to fractionals. I was hesitant. I was like, ah, oh, what are they going to do? These people, they're just trying to bring corporate money, yada, yada, into the industry. I am a firm believer in fractional share companies. I mean, I haven't done any business with Rally, so I can't speak too much to that. And I don't know anything negative about them. I just don't have done any interactions. But collectibles and notice the two that I've interacted with on a regular basis. Oh, my God, we need them to succeed. Fractional share companies are a good way for people who have less than $1,000 to get in the industry. Not only that, they allow for people on my level opportunities to sell cards to a company that they can fractionalize it. So then I can go reinvest and buy more cards from other people. It's a great way for the ecosystem of this industry to keep flourishing. At a way, I never had the thought of conceptualizing that industry fractional. But we, it's, a, it's a must. It is an imperative that they survive. For us to thrive. Cool, man. No, I appreciate the perspective. Congratulations on the role of PWCC. You're obviously very passionate and 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 thankful for it. And that's just that's just that's just good stuff, man. I, I I'm 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 glad for them that they have you. You know, you're you're oh, you. You, you just you you exude um, honesty. That's the best way I can put it. A um, couple more comments, and then I got one more thing I want you to talk about, and then we're gonna wrap it up. So. Uh, Andy Max says Maurice Rocket Richard and Stan the Man Musial Musial are outright legends, and I mean I'm with you on Rocket Richard uh, and Stan Musial. I don't know as much about his his career, but I know of him certainly. So, but Ro Maurice Rocket Richard is like he was like the Mario he was like the 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 Mario Lemieux to Wayne Gretzky if Gordy Howe was Wayne Gretzky. Like I think I said that right. He was. Him and Gordy Howe were like neck and neck all the way, you know, for many years and competing hard against each other. A great, an absolute legend. Colin says players made more money playing in the Canadian Football League than some of the in the fifties and sixties uh, than players in the American League. Sanderson Tor is shaking my head at me for saying that uh, Wayne Gretzky is the easy uh, goat of hockey. I'll stand by that. Kelly Hilo says you demand Eric must be someone <laughs> you somewhat know. Gizmo says, Eric, do you hold on to any hockey cards with the exception of Gretzky, uh, which you said you don't? You've only ever had Gretzky Opeaches. Who, in your opinion, is second to Gretzky in hockey, like LeBron, Kobeus to Jordan in basketball? Do you have an opinion on that, Eric? Who's second no, to Gretzky? I, I mean, it, it could be. I, it would, I'd probably be, you know, maybe Cordy Howell, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard. I don't know enough about hockey to speak on that, that level. You'd be asking me, probably. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Defer to you. Uh, Jay Sutt says, who do you think iconic figures that are still undervalued? Any you, you want one or two that come to mind? Dr. J is one. I, I'm glad that Will Chamberlain rookies are going up. That's great. I haven't really, I mean, we haven't seen really nice Lou Alcindor rookies or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's going, going really recent, recently. 
Um, but I'm going to lean. I kind of think that Ted Williams is undervalued. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I well, mean, that's fair. Maybe, maybe that's why you bought the card too, right? That's a lot of it. He's yeah. arguably so Ted Williams, Babe Ruth. Are the, you, it, it's a debate between who's the greatest hitter. That's it. That's those two. Is the, who's the greatest hitter? And there's and the price difference is astronomical. Right on, right on. Okay, so there's one more question from 23 Airness. Uh, he says, let's see some more epic cards from Eric. Whip them out, please. Great show tonight. Thanks to you both. Thank you, 23 Airness. Do you have anything else to show, Eric? One more, one more. One more. So I bought, this right, I bought this the same week I bought the Babe Ruth ball. Uh, 2000 and 2001 Ultimate Collections, uh, oh. Ultimate Signatures, right? So before this, no licensed NBA product had ever had a one-of-one one Kobe Auto. This is the first year of Kobe one of ones. Um, it's kind of hard to see, but it's a true gem plus. Uh, Pull it up a little bit. One. There you go. There you go. That's good. Wow. To one of one. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's the first. So they made five one of ones that year. This is the, those were the first five one of ones ever made for Kobe Bryant. Like ever. I mean, people talk about one of ones in 2017, 19. These are the, and, of the five, two of them Jim in it. This is the highest grade. What's weird, people don't realize about this this set, the Ultimate Collections. And this is first year Ultimate Collections. So this was their first year, the inaugural year of Ultimate Collections, right? What people don't realize is these these cards, these bigger cards, um, well, not the regular size, but the, the whale cards, right? They came already in SGC holders, right? So they were already graded in SGC holders. This card was already a Jim Mint graded by SGC. It was crossed over to PSA as a PSA 10, by previous owner, it's still in the PSA pop report as a PSA 10, and it also is BGS 95. So it's been graded Jim Mint by all three companies. Oh, crazy. But to have his first one of one, oh my God. Like that was, um, that was, and the, so that's number two. They made four versions. They made a bronze to 200, silver to 75, gold to 25, and a one of one. And I'm lucky enough to where I own them all. Yeah. In, in <laughs> that. Unbelievable, man. There you go. There you go, 23 Aaroness. There are some more epic <laughs> cards from epic cards from Eric. Eric, okay, we're gonna wrap this up, buddy. I, but my last question is I want to know um what how are you enjoying Clubhouse? I talk about it a lot because I'm on it a lot, so it's on my mind. How are you enjoying Clubhouse, the community on there? And do you think it's a, a good addition for the hobby as a place for hobbyists to congregate? I think it's an amazing addition for the hobby. In fact, I would have never met you. Carbon, Carbon is a litany of knowledge. Um, Chris from House of Jordans comes on there. Uh, I mean, there's just people that pop up on there uh, that, and there, there, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that you would have never, not only not, you probably would have met them maybe once throughout your life in a card show, but there's people you can interact with. You can formulate these relationships, these friendships. Next thing you know, you're on a podcast, right? I wish it was bigger. I wish Clubhouse more people did. I hope that there's an app. Um, that allows not just sports card collectors, but an app that was just kind of unified or just that was formatted for collectors, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, coin collectors, comic collectors, video game collectors, to where it was just specified for these collectors. And I I wish it had come out at the beginning of COVID. That would have been amazing, a way for us to socially interact without actually with social distancing. You know, whether you, you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, the fact is it's conducive. If you can interact with the hundreds of other people and not actually put anybody at risk, you, it's, man, I don't, I lack the oratorical skills to, to convey how important I love it. 
you know, plus yeah. there's people on there from Italy, people on there from Canada, people on there from China. Oh man, I wish there was more platforms like Clubhouse that so, allowed. But how much more time? I mean, man, we're on there quite a bit. Like, I, how much more time do you have? It's right? your level. We're a little addicted early on, so we're a little addicted early on. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, man. I'm going to go through the final comments that have been coming in. We're going to wrap this up in about a minute's time, everybody. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thanks again to Eric, man. What, what a great guest. You'll, you'll see some comments here, Eric. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining Sports Cards Live tonight. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a great gauge. It helps me out. I appreciate it. I hit the thumbs up button and all those things. Appreciate that as well. Uh, so Gizmo says, thank you. Appreciate your input. Toa Hang, I feel privileged just to be here tonight. Thanks, Eric and Jeremy. Toa, you're, you're here a lot, man. It's, I'm privileged to have you here. And I mean that. Gizmo says, wow, now I know why I can't find that card. Terry Fortune, <laughs> Terry Fortune, who just joined Clubhouse this morning. This is what I this is what Sports Cards Live is all about. Loving the show and insights tonight. Eric is a great guest with an amazing collection. Thanks for sharing. Right on, right on. Rip and Flips, uh, Rip and Flips is by far Eric is the best guest on Sports Cards Live. Thank you. Hey, man, you're welcome. There you go, Eric. Very happy to have you. Sanders Centaur, thank you very much. D Nick, the one, thank you for joining, guys. That's the last comment. We're going to wrap it, Eric. Hang tight one second. Everybody else, good night. I'm going to head to Clubhouse right now, I'm pretty sure. So see what's going on there. We'll see you there. And uh, thanks for joining. We'll see you back next week. Take care. Subscribe to the channel. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Daniel A., thank you to you. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you all next week out on Clubhouse. Good night. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.